0: Tonight's episode of the BS Podcast on The Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter has the tools to make hiring more efficient and effective. It's the smartest way to hire. I wish they could hire a new federal government for us. The tech doesn't stop there. It even learns what kind of candidates you like and invites more to apply. ZipRecruiter is so effective. Four to five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get quality candidates through the site within the first day. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com. Slash BS. Meanwhile, introducing the new Microsoft Surface Laptop 3. With its beautiful touchscreen, you'll experience stunning graphics with razor sharp resolution. Now available with a 13 and a half or 15 inch screen. And with the latest processors, there's no project the Surface Laptop can't handle. It's both light and powerful. You can get more done on the go. Visit Surface.com slash Laptop 3 to learn more. That is Surface.com slash Laptop 3. We're also brought to you by Ringer.com and The Ringer Podcast Network. We are not stopping content. We know there are a lot of people out there who are uh, stuck in their houses, their apartments, wherever, and are just kind of laying low right now. So we want to give you guys something to read and listen to and whatever else. So check out all the pods you normally check out. Check out the website because we're still writing about sports and pop culture and everything else. I have a new rewatchables coming Monday night, Godfather Three, and then another one. I think we're going to move to two rewatchables a week starting this week. I also think we're going to dust off uh two book of basketball podcasts that I had been saving for season two, but we might just run uh over at some point over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for those. Coming up, Priscilla and I obviously this one's a little different. We're trying to find the right tone between not completely freaking out about everything that's going on right now, uh, but also. Talking about stupid sports stuff, trying to entertain you in a, in a couple of different ways. So hopefully we find that balance. He's coming up in a second. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, so we said last week we were going to be doing this in person. God, last week seems like it was about a year ago. We were talking about LeBron versus uh, Giannis. Giannis for the MVP and just where the rest of the season was going. It was so hopeful. And now, a week later, we all hunkered down um, at my house. Rosillo's at his house. Kyle's at a third location. None of us are allowed to even look at each other for too long. A Google Hangout, we don't know what's going to happen. Rosillo, you've been preparing your whole life for this.
1: Yeah, uh the isolation thing for me is uh is really just been about training. So this this time by myself, I'll do a month. Like whenever I see those movies where the guy gets sent to solitary, I'm like, let me know when the punishment starts.
0: <laughs> my uh my family and I have been together for the last 3 days. It's getting a little rocky. My <laughs> wife's starting to get frustrated with uh my son is losing his mind. He's just playing uh video games and hopping around he's got his foot in a cast and uh it's we've just been watching movies and and trying to avoid people which i guess is going to be the new reality for the next couple of weeks i can't believe we're even doing a podcast like I, can you imagine if we were just listening to the first five minutes of this podcast two months ago we would have been like what happened was there a nuclear bomb? Like, but this is kind of what it feels like. It is certainly never happened in our lifetimes, right?
1: No, I mean the only disruption we can think of is nine eleven and how different things were right after that. Um, you know, sports are delayed, but not, not to this undetermined amount of time that we're going to get to with all that. You know, I think that like a lot of people, you know, I'll read stuff one day and I think, okay, you know, maybe this is what this means and you know if you're coming to this podcast for solutions on the coronavirus i'm not your guy um i know a lot of other people are out there pumping that content out um as as new experts on it but it just You know, it's, it's one of those things where you go, okay, what am I supposed to do? Like friends invited me over for dinner on Thursday. It was a small group. We had dinner and the restaurant was, you know, kind of slow. And then you're thinking, all right, wait a minute. Now everybody's kind of getting to like, everybody on social media is like, stay inside, stay inside, stay inside. And then you're like, do I go to the gym? Do I not go to the gym? And now the gym is totally out. Um, I did go one day when there was nobody there um, just because, you know, honestly, I just needed to get my body moving, but I'm gonna have to figure out the jumping jacks in the house. And then today, you know, I live in Manhattan Beach. I live right in town. And it's the first time I've seen the sun in like four days in Los Angeles. And I thought, okay, you know, what, I'm gonna go out to the beach, read, I'll be away from everybody. Manhattan Beach was packed. Everything was packed. So If this thing continues on its path, I think like a lot of people we're seeing in different cities and different states, they're just going to start shutting this stuff down, whether it's businesses or curfews, because there's just a lot of people that aren't going to listen. They're not going to disrupt their lives at all.
0: Well, do you want, I was going to do this later, but we might as well do it now. Do you want to? Do you want to talk to our younger selves? This is your idea. You want to talk to 25, 25-year-old Rosillo and 24-year-old Simmons? You can go first.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. That was um, this is the Players' Tribune thing where you just, just all of a sudden, you're like, is there any way we can get Poo Richardson to write a letter to his younger self this month? <laughs> uh, I would obviously handle this a lot differently at, at 25, so I would just start by saying, hey, you know what? Um, it's, it's not that big of a deal if you miss a Friday you know i remember the first time after college meeting guys and i was like wait a minute you guys stay in on friday or saturday and they're like yeah we just pick one of the nights I'm like that's weird um but again i was still in my college town so it would uh, essentially be like look call home more often don't go out as much don't buy as many shirts as you think you'll need because you're going to end up hating half of them in about a week um and then finally it would it would be the first thing where it's like, and if you're creating a Madden franchise, play out the season and don't simulate
0: it. I would tell myself, um, look, you're making some poor choices right now, just in life. You're, you're smoking cigarettes. You probably shouldn't be doing that. You're going out way too much. Your, uh, your question, your, your belief in who you should be with, with the opposite sex. Maybe you've made some mistakes there. um, You've gotten behind the wheel a few times when you probably shouldn't have. There were, wasn't the kind of awareness back in the uh, mid-90s that there is now. Um, don't do that. Uh, don't do most of the things you're doing, actually. Uh, and one of those things will be, don't feel invincible. Don't think, ah, it's fine. It's just the older people that are worried about this. Because you're right. You're probably not going to die from the coronavirus. You're 25. You're feeling great. But you could get it, and then you could pass it along to your uncle. Or your dad, or somebody in a store who's seventy-two, who's going to be dead in two weeks. So stay home and don't do that stuff. That but would be my advice.
1: That's good. And and on the dating part of it, I wouldn't have to tell my younger self this by any means. But it there's a lot of guys like don't don't get engaged because of boredom here in these next two weeks.
0: Right. <laughs> don't talk yourself into uh, yeah fifty years of a relationship because you're just spending a lot of time with somebody right now. Yeah. So, um, let's, uh, let's break down the weirdest sports week of our lifetime, because listen, we could talk doomsday stuff. We could talk about how the nation is probably going into a national lockdown. Um, we could talk about what our responsibilities are as human beings. I, I would hope that people know at this point, um, And if they don't, I would encourage people to listen to the podcast I did with Gladwell on Thursday or read any of the 25 pieces the Atlantic has written about this or the New Yorker or the Washington Post or the New York Times or basically anything. Everyone's saying the same thing. Um, This is going to get worse. This is going to hit a tipping point where we might have too many sick people and not enough hospital beds and not enough equipment. And really the only way we can help this is to flatten the curve. And that the only way we can do that is by social distancing, by not spreading it to each other. So I don't feel like we need to talk about that for an hour.
1: Is there, Uh, can I jump in and just ask you, is there one piece that you read or is there a piece of one of the things that you read that like really stuck out to you and you feel good about that the information's felt like it's held up more than 24 hours?
0: I think the stuff that's happened in South Korea, I think has been encouraging. Now that's a country that somehow is way more advanced than we are with, a lot testing, of stuff least, with yeah. testing equipment, everything, but they, they moved into the social distancing, uh, fairly early enough to, to stave off things getting a lot worse. Like everybody's saying the same things. People are going to get this. People are going to pass it to other people. The the problem is you don't want to hit that tipping point when too many people have it at the same time, whether Most people understand that. I don't know. I mean, we saw Friday night Post Malone concert in Denver. There was 19,000 people there. We saw videos from all over the country yesterday of people at bars, uh, crowded bars in big cities, you know, kind of letting loose, letting off steam. I've heard about quarantine parties, all this stuff. And again, I'm not one to judge because I made a ton of mistakes in college and in my 20s. I get it. Uh, You feel like you're invincible and you feel like it's not going to be you. But I think we've never seen anything like this before. And the best thing everybody can do is to just hide indoors for two weeks. Just do that. That's, that's the move. There is no other move. So I don't know if people are, are, are getting there slowly, medium style or fast, but the people in my life who are all more mature, most of them have kids, um, are, are, are in lockdown mode. I just can't speak for the people in their twenties. Uh, what are you, what are you hearing? What are you thinking?
1: Well, it was, it was weird for me because, um, you know, my father was in the hospital. It was fine. That was kind of what I was referencing in the podcast before. And, you know, he's in Boston for the week. So that's what I went back for. And, you know, some of you guys know, I family lives on Martha's Vineyard and he was talking to me today and I'm checking on him, you know, cause he's just after this, this, um, major thing. And I'm like, how are you doing? What's going on? You know, I'm making sure people are bringing them food and stuff. And he's like, well, apparently they cut down the boats. And so you're like, wait a minute, the boats are done. And like, apparently gas and food are still going to be transported over on the ferries, but they're just, the vineyard is saying, okay, we don't know of anybody that's tested positive. So like, let's just keep this island self-contained, but what's happening, um, which is always any place that's a resort area is that people that have second homes, there are deciding to fly there. And now the locals are getting pissed about it and thinking like, okay, so wait a minute, you're going to be flying in from the city. Um, you know, a lot of people that are at these high end areas going, all right, I'm going to go out to the vineyard house and we're just going to hunker down there for a little while. So that's just something, look, he's, he's, um, he's in great health. He's, he's good to go, but that's something that's just, Totally different than I think a lot of experiences because you're on a, an island that's disconnected from all this stuff. And apparently they've just decided, you're not going to keep shipping people back and forth. But whether this is a full time flight ban, I heard rumors about like interstate travel altogether. Um, I have one friend that's awaiting a test result that, you know, felt terrible for two days, feels better now, but is still going to be quarantined for 12 more days. And so, you know, it's, I don't know what we're going to be talking about. Like everybody else listening to this right now. I don't know if in a month we're going to be going, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing we've ever seen. Or if we're going to go, you know, look, precautions were made and they figured out how to go ahead and turn this. I'm not going to pretend uh, I'm an expert. No one should. I've read a lot of stuff like you have too, but I'm not going to get real preachy about it either because, you know, it's, it's a bit like climate change, right? Like I always think about when will climate change be to the point where people are like, okay, you know what? Maybe I start recycling now. You know like this stuff has to be in your <laughs> yeah. driveway. It ha- like we just are programmed a certain way. I don't know if it's this country because I think different um societies uh, operate differently, but when it comes to this country we we just don't seem to really believe something until it's absolutely staring us in the face. And for people to be able to go to nice gyms and nice restaurants and sit outside and see the sunlight like it's just the immediacy is not happening in my neighborhood. And I think it's, you know, it's it's gonna be this thing that maybe happens overnight where it's a massive wake-up call.
0: Well, it's been alarming that I don't I honestly do not want to make this too political of a podcast, but you know, you you think of the press conference on Friday and the ways that uh the president and his staff have have basically done one eighties on things they said two days ago and weren't even really honest in the press conference. He promised his Google website made it seem like it was going to happen. And then it comes out a couple hours later that it was a website that was in development just for people in the Bay area. And when you have somebody who's supposed to be in charge of everything, who's not even being honest and is clearly doing it because he's given this press conference a half hour before the stock market's about to close, he's trying to give a little bump. Um, I, that part's really disorienting because think about it, you know, we, we've seen this happen with sports and we get so mad at the people in charge and then it's happening in real life with a hundred times the stakes. And it's almost hard to put into perspective, but even you see how things were handled on Friday, people are still in that mode of, of digesting things in this, you know, the, the day-to-day life that we have following sports as sports fans, where we just get mad about these things that really aren't that important. But now the things people are getting mad about Thursday and Friday, like how mad people were at Rudy Gobert, how mad people were that the players, you know, weren't responding fast enough to get money together for the arena workers and things like that. And at one point it was like, all right, I I get it. And on the other hand, I'm like, do you guys realize like, like we have way worse problems than this. This is a pandemic that might wipe out, you know, 4% of our, our country. Um, I just thought it was, it, it was the strangest 36 to 48 hours I could remember what, uh, doing this job. How'd you feel about it?
1: Well, I know you said you didn't want to get political, and I, I don't even think this is. I, I think it it is. First of all, it is. But you'd like to think it was everybody just going, hey, okay, look, we are in the unknown. And I think that's going to play into some of the sports stuff that we talked about, because I was calling around different NBA people trying to figure out, like, hey, is there anything I can use that's going to make me sound remotely intelligent about the NBA yeah. part of this tonight with Bill? But you know, I think what happens is if if you're a supporter of Trump and Trump at one point is tweeting about the virus like a teenager that's pissed off at his parents... <laughs> you know, like making fun of the stats. And again, you know what I mean? Like, look, a lot of people were doing that at first. I even was like, OK, what is this really like? Are we just are we just renaming the flu? But then I started to think, like, if the swine flu happened in 2020, would it be consumed the exact same way? And the numbers would tell you, at least just again, the most recent thing I read is like, no, no, no this is different. And, you know, how contagious it is and how it just is going to infect all these different people and all these different approaches to it. But what happens if, if you're, you know, a Trump supporter, then you kind of want your guy to be right. <laughs> You know, it's, it's not that different from us debating all time greats in sports, like any evidence that I can use that my guy's awesome and your guy isn't as awesome as the stuff I'm going to use Monday after a weekend of games. And so when it happens where, you know, the administration downplays this from the beginning and then it becomes more and more serious, like the people that didn't take it as seriously at first, and I'll admit, I still didn't know what it was at, at the inception. Uh, you may find yourself kind of like rooting against the alarmists. Now, the easiest way to summarize that is like, okay, so what's the worst thing? That we we overreacted and got this thing corrected in 30 days and and the market lost 30% and all these, you know, financial things happened that everybody's trying to sift through and and figure out what what this means and what kind of financial decisions can can you make? Like I think that's just our human nature to decide like, well, initially I didn't think this is that big of a deal, so I'm gonna keep hoping for that outcome. And yeah, like I think once social media becomes part of it, it's like, wait a minute, three days ago, you're bitching about Barb on The Bachelor and now you're a fucking virus expert?
0: (laughs) Right. Well, (laughs) let's go in order with some of the sports stuff that happened because we went from a week ago today arguing about the MVP race to Tuesday, Wednesday night range, wondering if we were going to play without fans to Thursday, it becoming very clear that we weren't going to have sports at all. Um, but some, some stuff happened along the way. The first thing that I just could not believe as it was happening was how Rudy Gobert was villainized when, you know, yeah, he did the dumb thing where he touched the mics. he was screwing around and he didn't take it seriously. And that was dumb. Um, but now he's, he's being painted as like patient zero. There was you know, that guy in the Pistons, Christian Wood, became the third guy who got it, and he played against Gobert on Saturday night. It's like, well, how do you know who gave it to who? Um, and how does this help anything? Like, obviously, he wasn't out there going, man, I can't wait to give the coronavirus to people. Like, he didn't take it seriously, which gives a, something in common with uh, seemingly half of our population right now in America, because... I still am not sure everybody's taking it seriously, but I was just amazed how vilified he was and the media was kind of pouring on. I thought that it had a dangerous element to it. What did you think as you were watching that part?
1: Well, you you and I were both texting because we were watching that game, right? Like that was one of the games, the marquee games, you know, Dallas and Denver later on. But like when I looked through the schedule, I go, okay, Jazz Thunder, that's what I want to watch and we've seen it all play out. And again, we've already been over this whole thing. But the Gobert thing is, like, a lot of us are like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like, where was he? Like, does that mean the whole jazz team? Like, and by the way, the Gobert thing changed everything, which I which I know we'll get to. But, yeah, I had, I saw some people, and we're so bad with punishment and discipline in the moment. We're awful with it. Like, just awful. Like, Miles Garrett suspended the rest of the season. Okay, you know what? That seemed to make sense. But then people thinking, like, it should have carried it the next year. Because when you think about it today, you're like, yeah, hey, Miles Garrett did something bad. And you know what? Who knows how it was motivated? We could debate that. I don't want to but he's going to be ready to go week one when the NFL season starts again. So what's a big deal? Like people were asking for Gobert to be suspended. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, is that, does that make sense? Like, do more guys have to, to contract this? Because more guys are going to for us to then go, oh, wait, you know, like this happened. And, you know, when he touched the mics and that video was played over and over and over again, look, I guarantee more than half the people listening to this right now are treating this and think of this differently than they did 48 hours ago. So yeah, Gobert, you know, did something that after the fact looks immature and stupid and and dangerous. But I, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't know that we had any other examples. So because he was the first guy, people lost their minds. But the irony of the whole thing is that he probably set some things in motion that look like are the right decisions now, when at the time it's like, wait a minute, the season's over, the NCAA tournament's over. Like, and then everybody had to follow suit because once a player, tested positive for this, there was no way the NBA could say, well, hey, Jazz, sorry about your season, but your 20 games are, like, your team's quarantined, but we're going to keep playing.
0: Yeah. It needed, it actually weirdly needed to happen because I do think they would have kept going for a couple more days at least. Obviously, by the weekend, uh, once you got into Saturday, Sunday, as cities started to limit how many people could be in one place and all that stuff, I think the schedule would have organically gone by the wayside. But at least Thursday and Friday everybody would have been playing. We would have had all of these uh arenas filled with people and stuff, but you know, I I I said this on Thursday's pod and I feel even more strongly about it now. I, it was certainly the craziest day in the history of the NBA. And whether it goes down as one of the most meaningful days in the history of the NBA, I guess we're going to find out, but I do think it was the moment that it made whatever was happening real for basically everybody that follows sports. And then it crossed over into the mainstream in a really big way. And the only thing I can compare it to, it's totally different circumstances. Um, But I remember in the mid eighties when Rock Hudson tested positive for HIV or AIDS, I can't remember which one, but he had been on Dynasty at the time and he had been hiding his illness. And I just remember that being like, that was one of those Not to use the word tipping point again, but that was a tipping point moment for the AIDS virus in America where it was like, wow, Rock Hudson has it. That was the first time I remember as a kid going, oh, my God, anybody could get it. Rock Hudson has it. I just saw him on Dynasty. Um, And for younger thing.
1: And by the way, just for younger people that understand, like Rock Hudson's the guy your parents are like, are you kidding? Like, think of the the biggest it'd be like the rock. I mean, not to like use the same name here, but. Uh, maybe it's not even the rock, but it would it would be no, it'd be
0: like it'd be like George Clooney,
1: DiCaprio, yeah, Clooney, like yeah, this somebody absolute, at that level, right? Like and just adored by women everywhere, and you know the the women want to be with him, men want to be him type of thing. Like I remember my mother, I think it was the National Enquirer. We're checking out the grocery store in Rock Hudson, and you're like, what? And she's just going like, oh my god, oh my god. And like as a kid, you're like, I don't really even know how to process this. You're a couple years older than I am, but it was it was a major. Major thing. It was it was huge. So go ahead.
0: Yeah. Well, that was with the Gobert. The this needed some sort of catalyst, and I think Gobert and and the NBA having to act quickly. But you know, the NBA is in flux in uh, in ninety different ways. The biggest one, just from a pure competitive standpoint, is the season is going to go away potentially. And I thought there was a world in which. If you told me Thursday, Friday, even Saturday, what would you bet on? I would have bet on no more regular season. Playoffs at some point, maybe June 15th, July 1st, July 10th. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they shorten it. Maybe, maybe they do what they did in 1999 when they had, uh, they, they kind of packed the playoff games. Uh, maybe they would have shorter series and so on. I think the one thing we can all agree on is that the regular season is gone. That, that's, that's history. I would, If I had to bet, I would say it's more likely the season gets canceled than it isn't. What do you think?
1: So you're saying everything, regular season, playoffs, the season is over, and we wait to see how next season starts. That's where you're at right now? That's where you put your money?
0: Yeah, because I think this is at least a three-month thing and possibly a four-month thing. And that, and that's a best case scenario in my head. because I think this is going to get worse. And I think we're headed for something really, really awful and really traumatic with how this plays out. And I don't think that's alarmist to think that I, I don't, I look at what happened in Italy and you look at all the stats that we have and all the hospital beds per person and per hospital. And, um, it's the, the stats are pretty similar and we were just as far behind as they were. So I, I, I am definitely, uh, pessimistic that this season comes back
1: i could tell from talking to teams you know whatever optimism there was last week um it's dramatically reduced despite you know i don't know that i've heard anybody be that dire about it i was talking to somebody with the league today and you know saying okay look i mean as of right now It's the 60-day mandate for any gathering over, what, 250 people now? I think because at first it was 500 people, 250 people. Um, That would put you at a May 5th start date. Woj has reported since we started taping this that it's at least three months, possibly four to what you're saying. Um, And then you just start thinking, okay, well, how far can you push this thing out? Because March to April, April to May, May to June, June, July. And then you pick it up in mid-July. And then if guys haven't played, it wouldn't be really fair to just say, say we haven't lost the season yet. Uh, you'd have to play a few games to figure this thing out and said, okay, you guys got round one. And But what I think is important here is that, as far as I know, nothing has been decided and that they really are sitting in a room, owners, the commissioner, every advisor that they trust, whether it's tonight, into tomorrow, and trying to throw every single possible idea against the wall. But the thing is, is that I've been told, and this is just common sense, It's hard for any league to come to any kind of conclusion when they're dealing in something that like, there's no map here. There is nothing. So like they could sit there and meet and say, okay, fine. Like they'll probably just announce, okay, it's three months knowing that that's, that's not a solution, but it's the only thing they can do because they can't say, Hey, no problem. Um, you know, we're going to start game 62. That's going to be June 3rd. And you know, everybody get your tickets. Like they, they can't do that. So there's no way there's ever going to be that kind of an announcement.
0: And I think, you know, losing a season, having a season just end without any record of it other than it just stopped at the game mark between like 64 and 67 games, depending on the team, which would basically the 94 baseball thing would be the only uh, only other time that's really happened in our lifetimes where, you know, hockey had a whole season canceled, but in it, that one never even started. Um, I think they're going to avoid that even if, if there's any way that it can come back, even if it's a shorter tournament or whatever they would have to do to try to, to try to play it. I think they're going to do it. The question is from a health and safety standpoint, when can that even start? And they're just going to obey how this plays out over the next few weeks. So, you know, are we going to get to a place where Two months from now, let's say, let's say this plays out pretty badly and we have a lot of death and a lot of people sick and, and the numbers aren't as catastrophic as the worst case scenarios, but they're, they're not good. And this is not a fun next two months for anybody who lives here. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to be like, Hey guys, the NBA's back. Like, so I think they have to wait and see, to see what these next six to eight weeks are like. And then I think there's an end date for how far they can push this where the guys are going to, how do you make sure your players are in shape? How do you make sure that first round, if they came back and just had this kind of instant playoffs, how do you make sure the quality isn't too bad? How, do you, are there fans in the stands? There's so many variables and so many moving pieces. And then the last piece would be, all right, if we do this, but then when would the next season start? So you'd have to be shortening the next season too and starting that like around Christmas. And this, again, this is all best case scenario. So I think the difference with what's happening with the NBA, and I think to a lesser degree, the MOB is that at least you have smart, successful people making these decisions, um, and talking to experts and trying to get real expertise involved. Whereas, uh, you know, what we saw on Friday with, with our actual president, I think that made me a lot more nervous. Um, but I do think, I, I think it's, I, w- I would bet on the season getting canceled if I had to bet, which is really depressing. Uh, if we looked at this though, as like, okay, what, what
1: could come back, you know, like say it's, say it's the 90 days, say we're starting in June or push it to the end of June. You know, so now you're past what originally would be the draft and the end of the finals, um, you know, there's all sorts of things because they're already the league is already calling around about arenas through August, and then one of the things that I was reminded of today is that the DNC conventions in Milwaukee in the middle of July, um, you'd have to worry about seating where you just go, okay, the eight seeds in the East does that mean, hey, it's just you eight seeds the eighth seed in the West. Is it fair to just say, sorry, everybody, but Memphis is still in, um, you know, that's going to be one of those things where for the greater good, despite your competitiveness and owners missing out on money, you can't, you know, David Griffith probably can't go like, this is ridiculous. This is totally unfair because it's all unprecedented. And then you're like, is it even best of sevens? Would you have all 16 teams? Um, the quote that I got today, we're hundred percent looking at any possible scenarios, but we honestly don't know anything. And then, you know, back to one of the things that you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago, when I'd said, you know, if I just, if I were the NBA, I would, I would really, really consider starting on Christmas and pushing this through August and own that two-month dead period now that doesn't have a great national television product. Baseball is a great local television product, not a great national product. And when I called somebody in in the broadcast side of it um, with, the t- with the league, I was like, hey, you know, I, we did this thing with Bill. And, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the research that the league has always gotten is that people at home watching games like during those summer months, especially when you have your travel um in the northern hemisphere, it's it's just there's just not enough people at home. And that's always been the counter is that yes, you may own the time the the time period of, of that part of the summer, but you're still dealing with just less people in front of televisions during the colder months. And that's always been one of the counters to the whole thing, which by the way, I guess was presented by one of the Atlanta Hawks owners at the Sloan conference um, after we talked about it, but I'm not presenting it as if it's the most original idea that I've ever come no, up with No, it's us say
0: Adam, he obviously listened to our pod.
1: Yeah, because he actually, <laughs> I think, used the quote that said, give, let football just own that. And I was like, man, that sounds like word for word. what yeah. He said, uh, you know, and then if we really wanted to keep doing this stuff where you're in the room with the league office and they're going, okay, say we can start again in three or four months. Because if I just agree with you here, then it's like we have nothing left to talk about. But, you know... No, we have a uh, lot left. No, I know, I know. But I'm just saying, like, I don't... You might be right. Like, I'm not going to say that you're wrong. But if you're holding out any hope and you're constantly coming up with plans, because I think that's what the league is doing. They're coming up with plans, they're letting the teams know, and then they're adjusting. And they're just not going to go ahead and say, hey, on Monday, we've canceled the rest of the season. But one of the things I thought was really interesting is that you could have a viewership that is so excited that basketball's up, you get an artificial rating, or you could have a viewership that's at this point so excited that they've moved past, the curve has been flattened, and all they want to do is get out of their house that your rating is destroyed during that whole time. And again, you know, we can do this with the PSA of, yes, we understand the most important issue of this whole thing, but, you know, we're just two guys talking sports, and I want to be depressing for two hours.
0: Yeah, and one other thing to mention, just with the NBA, I think, you know, Obviously, they're trying to save their season and figure out all the different variables and contingency plans and all that. But from the people that I've talked to, I think a lot of what they're talking about is the health of their players, um, the safety of the players and the people who work for the teams and around in the arenas, stuff like that, and how they can help. And I think what you're going to see with the league over the next couple of weeks is a big initiative with the NBA Cares thing, because I think, you know, they know that they have the platform. And they have so many heavy hitter players, ranging from LeBron to, you know, the fourth best guy in the Sixers, who have audiences and fans and people who actually listen to them. And I think you're going to see the NBA specifically use that power for good and try to get the right messages out, you know, and and try to convince people, hey, man, it's it's actually the coolest thing for you to do is to stay home. And the coolest thing for you to do is that if you're not feeling well, here are the symptoms, read this thing, go to, go to this website, make sure you don't have this. If you do do this, I could see them over the next three weeks having a real impact because I think, you know, for better or worse, a lot of people in this country follow athletes and they listen to them and these people mean a lot to them. And I think, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of those people use that power for good. We've already seen it with the stuff Kevin Love and Giannis and people like that are doing just by the charitable stuff. But I think their their voice could be more important. But you made the key point. This is, you know, in the big scheme of things, certainly not that important. And you could talk about all the other things that are being compromised right now from the economy to the restaurant industry, which is in the absolute crisis. And David Chang, I think is going to talk on his podcast about that tomorrow uh, to airplanes, to travel, to people that rely on, uh, you know, retail customers or you, you could get, you, there's four, 40 to 50 different things that are being impacted. Unfortunately for us, this is a sports podcast. So we're going to talk about the, uh, a lot of the sports related stuff. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back. Hey, companies around the world are solving their most important challenges with Google cloud. Like PayPal, who's solving for millions of Daily Hope's dreams and financial ambitions. Google Cloud is helping them achieve their mission to transform the prosperity and opportunity of millions of businesses around the world with massive scale and processing power. PayPal is connecting Main Street to every street. Google Cloud, what are you solving for? Visit g.co slash cloud slash solving. Once again, that is g.co slash cloud slash solving. All right, we're back. You had one more thing you wanted to talk about relating to the last topic.
1: Yeah, I want to follow up on media members um, that I have a problem with. I know that's a shocking development, but this is so, <laughs> this is no, but this is so off. it's just wrong, and I'm going to try to help people that can't understand this. Kevin Love donating, Blake Griffin donating, Steph Curry, Giannis. I know there's some other names that are forgetting. Awesome man. I mean, incredible. Uh, today's NBA player is probably as good as anyone in pro sports when it comes to like kind of paying it forward they really are like these these are like some of these draft classes it's amazing every year i'll be like you know what i keep hearing how amazing every one of these dudes are like you just don't hear about that many bad guys the league has so many good guys in it so that inevitably leads to the people that see a donation from kevin love and within minutes try to find a way to be negative about it congratulations because so many of you have done this and again that's about ownership i never root for the billionaires. Okay. I don't root for owners in any CBA. Um, you think I'm rooting for NFL owners during this CBA thing? Absolutely not. But the NFL players have almost no chance in any negotiation against these guys. So when a player donates, it's immediately followed by what about the owners? Here's the thought process. Put yourself through this scenario. Hey, I own one of the 30 NBA teams. I have thousands of people that work for me beyond the players or a thousand people that are dependent upon the revenue that comes in through all of these games. I may share a building with another franchise like we have here in Los Angeles, multiple franchises. Is it okay if I get more than say six fucking hours to satisfy your need for a perfect compensation plan? It's so absurd, Bill. It's absurd. And I said immediately, I'm like, man. Is there any way we can give these guys a day? And guess what? Almost everybody is stepping up. And I guarantee you there won't be, well, I can't guarantee it, but I'm sure there'll be maybe one owner that we hear about later on that didn't really kick them. The owners, so far, it seems like everybody's going to be taken care of. All right. And because it didn't happen within hours after a few players decided who can then go ahead and do it on their own. First of all, if the owners had said immediately, hey, here's exactly the plan then you know the same people would tear the plan apart and be like, oh, what about the parking attendants? Like, why don't you do that? And then when I had said, hey, can we give it a day? Can we give it a day? It was like Mark Cuban didn't need a day. Like Mark Cuban was on TV in the moment as this whole thing was happening and the season was suspended. And Mark Cuban, who I like, like that was Mark Cuban. 101. Like, hey, I'm on the camera. I'm, I'm ready to go. And hey, we're going to he didn't come up with a plan. He just made a statement that they are going to compensate all these people. People are going to be compensated. It didn't happen as fast as Twitter needed it to happen. And another thing for those that were critical of the NCAA, which is everybody's favorite topic, the tournament hadn't started yet. And people were asking it to be canceled hours after the NBA suspended their season at the time. And guess what the NBA, the NCAA, it's ended up saying, hey, this thing's just straight up canceled now. We're not even suspending this. And then the same people that were critical that they didn't suspend the tournament immediately were then mad that they canceled it instead of suspending it. These people are out there saying these things. All I'm saying is that in the face of something that is unprecedented in history, a disruption unlike anything that we've ever seen, is it okay to let some really important people gather the information that's constantly changing, by the way, and try to come up with the best plan to take care of the most people? What they come up with will not be perfect, but to spend your time constantly criticizing these people before they even know what they want to do and how to execute it seems like a pattern that I am incredibly
0: tired of. That was well said. And, and you know, I agree. I think it's really hard to be in charge of stuff. I'm in charge of something that has less than 100 people, and that's really complicated. And it's hard. hard. I, these people... um are in charge of things that are way bigger than that and also have other businesses and are also trying to figure out legalities and 900 different things. I can't believe we're defending owners like this. But but uh, it isn't but, it isn't about defending
1: owners, it's about just going, "Hey, look, if in a month we find out some owners didn't step up, okay, you know, let's go. Let's go. Put them in the crosshairs." But people wanted like all 30 NBA teams. They wanted every like everybody had to have the perfect solution for compensation, you know, days after something were Whatever we think they know tonight may be completely different in 24 hours. And, you know, back to your point about being in charge, it's tough. And almost everybody doing it and criticizing has never been in charge of anything. And on a much smaller scale, like I have friends that own restaurants and I'm like, hey, what's the plan? And they go, well, you know, I'm a franchisee. So everybody thinks I'm a millionaire because I own a franchise of a multi-franchise, like, you know, a billion dollar company, but I'm not a billionaire. I'm not even a millionaire. I pay the bills and now I've got, you know, 20 people that, that are looking at me to cover this and insurance isn't going to cover it. And, you know, the workers comp, well, if you stop working, at the, they're going to de- deny claims because they're going to say, you know, this isn't under it. And I said, you know, do you have any insurance for this? He goes, no, absolutely not. He's like, if a water pipe breaks and floods the place, then sure, you know, I have insurance for that. So, you know, I know, what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck it absolutely sucks i did it for a, a lot longer than i than i probably ever should have it was up to like 32 years old it's brutal it's brutal and i i'm i'm worried about everybody out there that's living check to check but the people in charge are stressed about this too man and i know that doesn't seem to be popular to ever think that maybe they have problems as well
0: yeah and twi- twitter is tough because you know especially during a week where people feel completely powerless in ways that they've never felt powerless before where talk about not being in charge of your own destiny. We, like I, I'm here in LA. I have no idea if I'm going to see my dad again anytime soon. If either of us are going to be able to get on a plane, he's 72. He's been in pretty good shape at the last couple of years. He's, you know, hasn't been a hundred percent healthy and you know, he's, our parents are in the demo of this, yeah. you know, and you think like, it's one of the few times where, you know, you get older and your parents get older and you think, you know, at some point I, it's, it, you realize like, oh, it's my job to look out for my parents and make sure they're, they're, you know, in good hands. And this is the first time I can remember thinking like, oh shit, like, I have no way to protect my dad here or my stepmother who are living in, in Boston and now there's no restaurants and no delivery and they're going to be cooking for themselves. And, and, you know, all it takes is the mailman to touch them. And he has, he, you start thinking all these scenarios, you go crazy. So the powerless part of this, um, I think, I think then trickles onto Twitter and all these weird ways where we're all freaking out. And then you you latch on to something like, oh my God, why have why hasn't owner X decided said what he's going to do about the arena workers yet? It's like wait, first of all give him a couple of days, and there's a lot of other things going on that are 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 probably super important. The league Starting is losing her
1: mind. By the way, the league and I I felt that way. I tweeted a, like I haven't been tweeting much, you know, just because you know I don't I don't really know what to say. Uh, I'm I'm usually a layout guy. Um, when it comes to this yeah, stuff and, you know, talking to someone with the league today, they were like, Hey, we saw your tweet. And I, and this wasn't me like, you really think I want to sit here and stick up for owners? I don't, but I, I want to stick up for common sense. And, you know, with everything that's going on, and the first instinct is let me see if I can fire off it. Cause the thing is, is that is that is like it's total everybody loves it. They're like, Yeah, what about those guys? Like, what are they doing? And the league office is like, Holy shit, are you guys nuts? Like, can we can can we just get through the next, like, can we get through the next couple of days? Like, we're, like, did everyone, whether it's the NHL, NBA, the NFL League year, supposedly starting this week, which they're saying they're going to, which we can do some stuff on that if you want to, baseball, trying to figure out spring training, or even having a start date, this is constantly changing, and, you know, we're used to being able to say, I can't believe they're starting this quarterback or why don't they get rid of that coach or how come they do like those are things that we've been doing for decades because it's easy and it makes sense and it's all kind of explainable and we're applying some of those debate show applications to stuff that we've never ever faced before
0: yeah speaking of the debate shows so we have football here for the next two weeks basically you know, there was actually football news today. It was refreshing to be like, oh, the Titans signed Ryan Tannehill. Here's here's something where uh, I could just, my brain could drift in this direction for five minutes and I don't have to think about uh, all the super depressing stuff. Uh, they signed him to a pretty good contract. They signed him to probably maybe 40% of what Tom Brady's going to get or 60%, somewhere in there. Um, but I think we're going to have football Basically for the next 10 to 12 days and all those sports radio podcast TV shows is just going to be riding the football news and then wondering if stuff's going to get canceled for good and things like that. But once that's done and we get to the end of this month and all the football stuff has played out, um, what if, if you're running, uh, I don't know, first take or get up, you're the producer of one of those shows. What kind of segments are you doing?
1: Okay, I got a few. I'm glad you asked. Okay. Um, first take pre-show meeting. Skip's mad because Stephen A. wasn't there three hours before the meeting started.
0: (laughs) Oh, hold on! I like this. I like that in this fantasy world, Skip and Stephen A. are back together. This is good.
1: Yeah, they're back together, and like Stephen A. would just be like, "Hey, when the red light is on, Stephen A. is on." Yeah, And, and Skip would be like, "Well." I've been here for three hours looking at myself in the mirror. You should be here early too. Like that was always one of the things like when, they actually do really like each other, believe it or not. They do. Um, and I just would always hear that, that after, you know, like if one guy works harder than the other guy, the other guy sort of, but it's like, if the other guy doesn't need to work harder, you know what I'm saying? It's awesome. Like Steven agent feel like, Hey, I'll show up at, at nine 59. Tell me where my chair is. So here we go. Um, Show producer, just start kicking around some ideas. Blame pie. Okay. We saw pictures of Pat Mahomes out in Cabo, taking a bunch of pictures, IG posts. Can you build your team around a quarterback that goes to Cabo during a pandemic? What does that say about his decision-making? Like, Is he really the face of your franchise? (laughs) That's coming up next. It's coming up next. Does Pat Mahomes' strip to Cabo have you questioning his decision-making? <laughs> and then if it was a fill-in, can he win a Super Bowl? He won one. Oh,
0: oh shit. Oh, shit. that.
1: Okay. Um, if somebody <laughs> picks this up
0: mid-thing, they'll be like, I can't believe those guys, but this
1: is what we're doing. Sorry.
0: If the season gets canceled, should we count this as another ring for LeBron because he was the favorite and they would have won anyway? Definitely. Definitely. I think somebody will, a couple guys will say that
1: with a straight face. And then they'll be like, does that mean we can get Tristan Thompson for an interview next
0: week? Yep. He won two with Miami. He won one in Cleveland. And let's be honest, guys. We should be counting this one as the fourth because he would have won. We all know he would have won. So I, it's like three and a half. I
1: believe somebody called into seven ten here in LA and said that this suspended play screws LeBron out of the MVP because Giannis's knee is going to heal.
0: Oh, that's str- I like that take. That's a good take.
1: <laughs> All right. This would be my favorite one. Moderator sitting there at the desk. Skip a Stephen A. NBA owners have stepped up with financial contributions, but was it too slow? How would you have handled an unprecedented global pandemic as a billionaire?
0: Ooh. that's I would want Will Kane's thoughts on that one.
1: Not a billionaire. That's a really good one.
0: I had another shit. Because everybody would, good one.
1: everybody would be so serious in their answers. <laughs> They'd be well, like, is, "Well, you gotta start with the. You always gotta start with the canned beard people because they've worked their way up from cotton candy and popcorn." <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is this is all gonna play out this way. Just FYI, these guys. I personally, I can't believe they're gonna have the shows because once the football stuff plays out. I guess maybe you throw yourself into the NFL draft. Like, what would you do What if you were on, let's say you're on speak for yourself. They you're, you're on You five days a week. You have to go on for an hour with takes and topics. And in April, it's just football. Is it just draft? You're just arguing about no, Joe Burrow.
1: I'd be like, look, we need to work really hard on show prep. I, I always thought that, especially when you're national, because I did local too. And if you show up to a national show going, there's nothing to talk about today, you shouldn't have the job. And this is different. Okay. And I'm talking like slow July's and August, but I'm, I'm list heavy. Hey, top five point guards right now. Like I'm doing all the generic shit because yeah. people still like that stuff, ranking stuff like that's what I'm doing. Like, Hey, we're putting up together a weekly plan. You know, Scott and I used to do dumb stuff like just ranking the five positions in the NBA. And then we'd have like I mean, when people we talk about baseball, we just go like, hey, let's do best at every position and every, you know, best pitcher and the whole thing. And then, you know, Darren Woodson comes by, all right, give me your top five NFL receivers. Like, I would be hammering that stuff. I do think like one thing I want to do with you is I want to rewatch the Cleveland, Boston, um LeBron. 2010. The LeBron triple double in the in the loss in 2010, yeah. The game because, six. Because it is a, it is the classic fight of, you look back at those numbers and you go, people thought he had a bad game. And I, I'm constantly like, who's worse? The person in the moment that is watching it, experiencing the buildup, and then how they feel after the fact. Or the person that looks at the numbers 10 years later going, no, that was actually a pretty good game because he had a triple-double because it felt like a terribly disappointing game. And I would love to go back and watch it 10 years later with you and see how we feel. Like, would we go, wow, he was actually a little bit better than we thought because in the moment, it felt like a massive failure. And I don't know if that was just because of the expectations and thinking he was going to get the Celtics
0: finally. I have a first take segment that would actually be the entire show. But we're talking like April twenty, April ninth. The draft's done. We've already done all the grades. Actually, maybe it's like May 3rd. Um, Can the Brooklyn Nets win the title if the season starts again? Because you figure it's a... Th- and a couple people, a couple friends of mine have actually texted me because the Nets are like 150 to one to win the title. And a Nets-Lakers finals is 750 to one. But if they postpone this for three months, the Nets are like a seven seed right now.
1: This is amazing right now. This is yeah. a great segment. You'd be a great producer. That's,
0: no, no, this is a whole show. We're going two straight hours on this. Yeah, you know what? Down.
1: Right, perfect.
0: Yeah, this is. We're doing this, and we're 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 rationing this out over the course of two hours. KD comes back. Kyrie comes back. Now they're a seven seed. We're starting with an instant playoffs. It's a five game round one. And now we have KD, Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, DeAndre incredible. Jordan, et cetera, going against Toronto, who hasn't practiced. Neither team has really practiced. So now that's the 2-7. If they get by that, all of a sudden, they're playing the winner of Boston-Philly. Who knows? Simmons, Abid, Celtics, Kemba's knee. Maybe they went, and then all of a sudden, they're going against Milwaukee. KD's starting to round into shape. Two-time finals MVP. All of a sudden, we have a Brooklyn Lakers final. That's a two-hour show.
1: That's perfect. I, uh, that one. No, I'm, I'm so jealous. And I'm like, this is, I don't know if this is a gambling thing. Did you come up with this? Did somebody text you that said, look at the number on the nets and what were to happen if dot, dot, dot type of thing, or
0: I, I've had a couple people text it to me. And what's weird is the number has not moved. It's going to move after it's, this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if we are going to get into it at all, I mean, the catch would be Katie and Kyrie. What are the, you know, what are the odds they'd actually be healthy? But. um, you know, the other thing with the playoffs, assuming there's the, they would get rid of the regular season and go right into it, I don't know how many days you'd have to practice. Like, if I'm a player, how do I feel comfortable going from doing nothing to being a playoff game? How many days do you think you'd need? Like 10? Eight? And, and what if you weren't allowed to practice with other people? Or if you're just like, you're in a gym. How do you practice? Who are you just by yourself? It's just not Is the same. Rebounding though. the ball for you with like latex gloves on, like how, like how does that happen? How do you, you stay in shape? How do you, you would work need out games? Your craft?
1: You would need some kind of games, and I know nobody wants like exhibition, but you can't ask these guys to just turn it on like that because even if you're putting up a thousand shots and running yourself, it's just not the same movement. There's nothing like being in basketball shape. It's just well, I remember when you played in '99 with House. playoffs. Oh, never mind.
0: No. <laughs> back in the day. I remember in the 99 season, there were a lot of dumb injuries that season and, uh, you know, a lot of plantar fasciitis and sore knees and stuff like that. And then repercussions afterwards. And you look at the guys from the mid nineties who were kind of either rounding into their prime or whatever. And, and some of them didn't have the same longevity that you would normally have. I, I always thought that season was pretty dangerous. The fifth, it was I remember we did, uh, for book of basketball, we broke down, um, that Knicks team that made the finals and they, they played something like 72 games in, you know, six months or five and a half months or some crazy number like that. And, uh, you know, not great, uh, let's take a, let's take a break. Then we're come back with more. Hey, cybercriminals are coming up with plenty of innovative ways to rip us off. New account fraud, a tactic in which someone opens an account and your name is on the rise. Another new type of identity fraud tricks victims into thinking they've received a two-factor authentication text from their bank. Thieves continue to troll public Wi-Fi networks, watching for new victims to rip off, especially now that you're home or wherever you're getting your Wi-Fi. Be careful of that one. Every time you bank shop or browse online, you can be vulnerable to cybercriminals. Norton and LifeLock are now part of one company. Norton 360 with LifeLock is an all-in-one membership for your cyber safety that gives you device security, identity theft protection, and a VPN for online privacy. And if there's an identity theft problem, they have specialists who will work to fix it. No one can prevent all cybercrime and identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but Norton 360 with LifeLock is a powerful ally for your cyber safety. Sign up today, save 25% or more off your first year. Go to norton.com slash Simmons. That's norton.com slash Simmons for 25% off. All right. We might as well do this again. Our job is just to entertain you here. We got, uh, you know, not the most uplifting month here in America. We're just looking to, uh, divert your attention, take your mind off stuff for a little bit. If the NBA regular season is done, and I think it is, what would the awards be? So, I think it's, I think Giannis is the MVP and LeBron would be second. I filled out the rest of my top five and it looks like this. Kawhi Leonard third, Jokic fourth, James Harden fifth. What did you have for your top five? It's, it's not, you know, the the push by
1: LeBron, I think he could have caught Giannis. I actually think even though I would have voted Giannis still after we went through, um, with what you were great on pointing out, like how this stuff happens, you know, how the the storyline, something I've always believed in with the MVP, but I still think LeBron had ground to make up and maybe he would have and maybe that would have been enough for the voters. Despite all the stuff with LeBron, Giannis won, LeBron two. Kawhi's season has been unbelievable and he's only played, what, six less games than Giannis?
0: So I don't know why I wouldn't put Kawhi third. I so probably- Kawhi's 51 games out of 64. So, that you know, I think over 50 with the shortened season is probably enough.
1: Yeah, if Giannis has played 57, I can't say Kawhi can't be eligible for this at 51. Um, So I go Giannis, LeBron, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, and Trey Young fifth.
0: (laughs) Trey Young.
1: (laughs) No, Jokic fifth? Yeah, Jokic is probably fifth because they have the record and despite that brutal start by his standards, um, not that they were terrible raw numbers, what he had done once he kind of you know got in shape, I mean, he'd had this stretch here. Both he and Murray was really impressive. So yeah, we could put Jokic fifth. I'm sorry if that wasn't definitive enough.
0: Well, it's kind of it's kind of a half-assed segment by us. I'm not, I wasn't expecting greatness. I just thought it was interesting to commemorate that This The regular season really might be over and this step is probably going to be the top five. Whether Jokic is ahead of Harden or I don't think Harden could get to three because of the way the last few weeks went for him. But Jokic, Green Arrow is pointing up as the season ended. So anyway, it's it's going to be in that order in some way.
1: Did I disappoint you on that segment? I feel like I did. I know the the back, I just think that people need to look at Harden differently. I think it's like a 25% bump. And he's, and he actually Westbrook's carried that team now for the last month.
0: Rookie of the year, Morant wins it. Who would be second? Cause Zion barely played enough games to be in the top three. And I have no idea and I don't really care, but I just wanted to flag it. (laughs) I guess like who, who, who's the second best rookie. If it's not Zion who played 20 games, I guess maybe it's Zion anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, This
1: class has been...
0: Yeah, let's move on. I don't want to talk about it. Coach of the year, I went Nick Nurse, Budenholzer, Vogel is my third. As my top three. I don't know if you have any opinions on that.
1: I do. I would vote Vogel one. Okay. And I I, I continue to be so kind of secondarily uh, impressed with with Nurse. Like the way he's... Like when you talk to guys in the league, do you find people consistently going like Nick Nurse, man, Nick Nurse? Like, so it doesn't always mean you're going to win it. I think Spo had they not had this bad stretch in the fourth quarter and they still are five games under 500, you know, Spo might be the best coach going. I think he was in the mix here. But Vogel, think about this. Lakers fans were let down when they got Vogel instead of some of the other options. And, you know, Lou's got the resume. Um... Monty Williams has a lot of fans. And for Vogel to go, look, Orlando was a disaster. I need to update what I'm doing. And then Jason Kidd gets named to the staff where everybody's like, how long is it going to be until Vogel gets fired and Kidd gets his job? And LeBron has not exactly always ever been somebody that's like really embraced coaching or authority figures. And they're the one seed. And I thought they might coast a little bit. And they're still kind of figuring out the rotation the whole time. So I would go Vogel because of circumstance more than me just thinking he's the best coach in the league.
0: Compelling case. Also throw in the got the Lakers to play good defense, even though, you know, it's an older team for the most part. And the, the two-way play he got out of LeBron this year, you know, LeBron, it's one of those things with LeBron where he gets all the credit if it's going well. And if it's not going well, everyone just instinctively blames the coach and his teammates. Uh, I think Vogel, I think they've been a really smart defensive team, you know, for the first uh, 70% of the season. I, I When they need to get stops, they've been able to do it. And, uh, you know, I like how he's, I like how he was like sparingly using Davis as a five, depending on the matchups, but when he really needed it, he would do it and things like that. So I'm with you. I think Nurse Boldenholzer and, uh, and Vogel, in some order, is the top three. I went with Nurse. So I'll just, I'll go
1: Vogel. I'll go Nurse. And I'll go Boylan because of just, he never gives up. Never gives he keeps up. up he, <laughs> just he just never keeps gives up. up. If, they're down, if they're down 10, 40 seconds to go, he's calling a timeout to set the tone for the rest of the week.
0: Well, the worst thing that... Happened to them was when they actually had that crazy comeback win because then it made him think he could always win when he was down 10 with two seconds left. First team All-NBA, this is where I landed. And I had to do some chicanery, but I'm going to defend it. So I have Jokic as the center. I have Giannis and Kawhi as the forwards. And I have LeBron and Harden as the guards. And the defense for LeBron is he plays point guard for them. He doesn't guard the other team's point guard, but he is their point guard. So if he's playing 50% of the point guard position on one end, and then he's guarding perimeter guys on the other end, he's a guard and a forward, which means I can put him at guard. But I think if you're trying to grab a snapshot of who were the best players in the league this year, I think you would say those five in Anthony Davis. So then it comes down to Jokic versus Davis. And Jokic plays center more. So again, first team, Jokic, Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron, Harden. That's my first team. What What did you have?
1: So I went AD over Jokic, even though I think there's a trickling of AD playing more as the five by himself out there. But they've been pretty, you know, they've played him more at the four than than I think any of us thought, unless we were like, are they really that committed to doing something they probably shouldn't be doing in the playoffs? Just because they want to make sure he's happy and re-signs, although by all accounts, he's going to sign like another one and one. Um, you know, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, everything's nothing nothing seems predictable now at this point. Um, so I have him over because defensively, man, having him there to anchor that defense and what he can do for other people and the way he shows to the perimeter player and goes out and challenges shots, and then off of that he can get the break going. It's just another level. So I have Davis, I have LeBron, I have Giannis, I have Harden, and I went. The real debate came down to Doncic or Lillard. So I have Kawhi like third in my MVP, but I have him behind the two forwards and really a, another one. So I went. I can't believe I'm doing, but I'm I'm doing I'm doing Lillard over Doncic.
0: Wow. Wow,
1: which feels stupid.
0: Wow. Okay, interesting. Can well, just go ahead. Head? Yeah, kill it because I expect you to. No, I, I. I thought the guards were tough. I'm just giving you my case for Doncic. The Nuggets are 43 and 22. He's the only All Star in the team. Jokic, we you mean that? Jokic. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jokic. Yeah, I was gonna say was Nuggets there a trade? are 43 and 22. He's the only All Star in the team. They only have a. Point three point differential. So, you know, you think like the Celtics are forty three and twenty one, they're plus six. Toronto's forty six and eighteen, they're plus six and a half. The Clippers are forty four and twenty, they're plus six and a half. And Denver's forty three and twenty two, they're plus three. So, you know, I I can't I they're not that good. And he's the best player in the team by far. I thought he got better as it went, as the season went along. And I guess the the thing I kept coming back to is if you just flip this, if you put Anthony Davis on the nuggets and you put Jokic on the Lakers, um, what would happen to the records of each team? I feel like the Lakers would be around the same. I think the nuggets would go down because of all the stuff Jokic does for them. And I'm not, I'm not, we've seen Davis in this situation where he's the only really good guy in the team. And it never really translated to the kind of record Denver has. So that that's my case. It's admittedly flimsy, but that's, I thought it was a coin flip and that's what nudged me to Jokic. Does that make any sense or no? Who would you rather have tomorrow? (sighs) Who would I rather have as my one all-star on a playoff team? I would rather have Jokic. Who would I rather have if I was trying to win the title? I'd rather have Davis.
1: I don't feel like you really answered
0: that. I did answer it. I think Jokic is where he should be. And I think Davis is where he should be. I have trouble putting two guys from the same team on first team all NBA when it's not like a completely dominant team, I guess would be my point. You know, they're 49 and 14. They're going to end up like 61 and 21 if we had actually had the whole season. Um, I don't know. I just couldn't totally get there. But again, I thought it was a coin flip. I think either one is acceptable. I had for second team All-NBA, I had uh, Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler, Pascal Siakam, Doncic, and uh, Lillard. Who'd you
1: have? I didn't know we were doing second team. All right. Um, But I do want to follow up on two things you said. The point okay. differential for the Nuggets is alarming. They're 10th in the NBA, and yet people still want to kind of talk themselves into a team that potentially comes out of the West. I just, look, I'm consistent on this Denver thing, um, and I feel good about my position. Although, if Dallas were to, well, again, I don't, none, of, none of us know, but if Dallas were to, like, overtake Houston and end up being, like, a Houston-Denver first-round series, talk about the all-time Russillo-can't-lose first-round matchup. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and another thing, too, that's always the counter, you know, Basically, point differential tells you what you should expect to happen to your team the rest of the way out. What homers will tell you is that, oh, we just know how to win close games. I'm like, yeah, Not really. Like it's kind of like football teams with with turnovers, like having a great turnover margin. Rarely, the Patriots always seem to be on the right side of it, but rarely do teams kind of repeat their turnover success, especially in college football. And if you're 10th and you think you're a legitimate title contender, that's a bad number. I would rather have Davis, but I always look at Davis as, like Davis feels like this guy that is this movie with this incredible cast, amazing writer, the best director, like everybody you would ever want to put together this movie. And you go in and you want this movie to be something you've never seen before. And it's still really good, but you're like, "Ah, am I a little let down? I know I'm guilty of that with Davis. He has these little moments where I'm like, is he a little soft? And I know the anti-Davis stuff, like, hey, he was down there in New Orleans. They never did anything. Well, they were never healthy. I don't think it was a great organization. And what he did in that Portland series is still one of my favorite kind of, like, wake up everybody. This is what I'm capable of type of series, Um, even though it was only a first-round series. But again, they weren't supposed to win that. They smashed the Trailblazers. I'm almost too hard on him because I like him so much. But there are little moments where I go... Uh, is, he, is he really up to this? And then i will look and be like, oh, he had 32 and 17. Okay, I guess he did all right tonight. So, uh, you know, I, I think I, there are those, are you with me on that? There's like these little moments of hesitation. And yeah, you're right. Like we haven't really seen like, does Jokic, Jokic feel like the much more seasoned playoff guy because of the run that they had last year? Like, no. Um, they should have won that series against Portland. It's, it's actually pretty bad that they didn't win that series, really. And, um, you know, we'll see what Davis is like, we hope. If this, everything, you know, every time I say a sentence like that, then I go, oh, that's right. Maybe we're not going to see it again this year.
0: I had for my third team on NBA, just for the posterity, Bam Adebayo, Jason Tatum, Chris Middleton, Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul, and the tough missions were Westbrook, Sabonis, and Bradley Beal. I just couldn't, I couldn't get Westbrook on there. I couldn't get there mentally. I, I know if the season does get canceled and they do end up doing it this way, I think Westbrook will make. He he he's going to get on there probably over Chris Paul. But I thought what Chris Paul did for Oklahoma City was was pretty great. So either yeah. one is acceptable to me. And then Adibio versus Sabonis versus Embiid, whatever. Um, If the uh, regular season does end today. This is what the playoff matchups would look like if we eventually have a playoffs. Uh, Bucks Magic, Raptors Nets, Celtics 76ers, Heat Pacers is now the 4-5. And then the West, Lakers, Grizzlies, Clippers, Dallas, Nuggets Houston, Utah, OKC. Nuggets Houston would be like a social experiment with uh, Jokic with just overpowering everybody on Houston on the one end and then Houston just trying to get him in mismatches on the other, so... I really hope we get a playoffs. Uh, let's take a break. we will come back. Hey, if you were to guess on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? Americans have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can help ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. And with Roman, no commitments, you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash bill for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. GetRoman.com slash bill. For a free online visit and free two day shipping. All right, we're going to do recommendation corner, but you want to clean up one thing.
1: Yeah, right now, the three sixes you mentioned is Denver, Houston, the can't lose first round. What I was looking at as Dallas and Bobon smashed the Nuggets the night the league announced it was spending play is I could have had Dallas taking on the Nuggets, and who knows? And then that would have moved Houston down because they are only a game and a half behind Houston. And I think we both would admit it probably looked like Houston was a little lethargic after that amazing stretch uh, for a few yeah. weeks. But you could have had Houston. I mean, imagine if Houston threw all this stuff and then they're 7-2 against the Clippers, especially what we saw when the Clippers were like, hey, you guys are really going to play this way? Because guess what? Now, granted, <laughs> the Rockets were brutal. but if But if the math is always, hey, the Rockets... Like, it just feels like no matter what, like, the Rockets are going to have a couple nights in every series where you're going to go, okay, you guys are going to shoot 21% from three? Like, this thing's over. You know, and it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't carry over. It doesn't necessarily mean any of those things. But um, that was just something I was looking at. It was only a game and a half between six and seven there in the West. But, again.
0: Um, all right. We're going to do recommendation corner. This is a new segment we're going to do for uh, as long as we do these Sunday night pods. It'll probably be a little bit longer the next time we do it as there's less stuff to talk about. We're going to recommend a TV show a book, an older movie, and then a newish movie for people to uh, watch as they they can stream it, pay-per-view it, get the book, whatever. Uh, start with the TV show. I can't remember if I've mentioned this on a podcast before, but High Fidelity is on Hulu. And they took the movie, the Cusack movie, and basically 2020 it changed the lead character, turned the lead character into Zoe Kravitz and kind of modernized the story and flip genders with it. I really liked it. I plowed through it. My wife and I watched it in one night. We were not on self-quarantine because we didn't know about the coronavirus yet. We just plowed through the show and uh, watched all of it in like five and a half hours. I've always liked Zoe Kravitz. I thought this was the best thing she's been in. I love the Parker Posey episode, which I think was like the fifth one, but that's my favorite episode of TV so far this year. And uh, I thought it was a good binge. I thought it probably should have been eight episodes. I think it's 10. They could have tossed out at least one of them. But for the most part, uh, if you're just talking about, I want to hunker down for five and a half hours or something. I thought the show was really good. I thought it was well-written. I thought she was really good. So that would be my first recommendation. What do you have? So you went with the non-quarantine endorsement.
1: That's a high endorsement.
0: Yeah, this wasn't even, I wasn't even desperate yet. This was just us home one night just getting sucked in, thinking other stuff was going to happen, and it just didn't. We just ended up watching the same thing for five and a half hours.
1: All right, I like that. Okay, mine's been out for a little bit, but I was late to it because it was a little harder to find how to stream it. But that's Yellowstone with Kevin Costner. It is... Uh, why is that too? Is that, what are we talking about here? Uh, No, this is great. Okay. I'm so
0: excited. Have you watched it? Well, I, we have a soft spot for it in the Simmons family because one of my son's friends, uh, mom. That's her house. So we're rooting for it. Yeah. Good times. Wait a minute. Which, who's the mom? The mom is. Not the daughter. No, gets involved with Costner a little bit early, like in the first episode. All right. Yeah. 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 She's a local
1: official bozeman yeah. so if anybody apparently when i was uh, out doing a lot of just feet on the ground research in park city um ran into a guy who was like yeah actually they film a lot of yellowstone here even though the storyline takes place in bozeman and i imagine south of the city of down the gallatin which is a spot i know real well and it's written by taylor sheridan who is the best who did sicario heller high water and wind river And he was in Sons of Anarchy as kind of the deputy. Um, It wasn't a big part. He didn't necessarily like really stand out. And then all of a sudden he like quit acting. But he does have a role uh, in Yellowstone as like a horse trainer. But he's just, it's like, wait a minute. So this guy who was just kind of this guy that you may not even remember as an actor turned out to be this absolutely brilliant writer who's putting out some of the best stuff. And then he's like, I'm going to do a TV show. And when you watch some of the behind the scenes stuff with Coster and Sheridan, he's, he's incredible because he's just going like, look, what we're doing here is we're taking, the concept that he sells it as is, you know, those old shows that our parents grew up with, like Bonanza, what if you modernized it where it's an old rancher, a little on the, the gray area of the law And the Native American angle, trying to get the land back. And then all the town politics and a family, you know, checks all the different boxes as all the different siblings are. I love the way it's shot. And, you know, Taylor Sheridan, honestly, the guy could do a Teletubbies episode and I would pay for it.
0: You know, when he gets that kind of respect from another writer, it's got to mean a lot to him.
1: Well, you know, we're a very supportive industry, Bill.
0: Uh, uh, I'm glad you like that show because I've always wondered why it was so successful and I didn't know anyone who was watching it but now I know somebody because the show is it's always its I think it's the biggest new show of the last two years on cable from but an it's, audience standpoint.
1: It's just because it's Paramount Network and whenever I recommend it to somebody I mean and this is just everybody being like oh I can't find her or whatever you know it could, had it landed I think somewhere else it would be part of the consciousness I mean it's It's succession in the woods.
0: Right. Like if it was just a new Netflix show, people would be treating it with a different level of respect. I get it. Yep. All right. My book that I'm going to recommend is called Meet Me in the Bathroom. It's by Lizzie Goodman. It is about uh, the rise of alternative rock in the early 2000s in New York. Led by the Strokes and the Yeah Yeah Yes and Interpol and a bunch of other bands, but just about how rock had kind of died there at the in the late '90s, grunge was over. Um, we entered this really weird time of pop music that just wasn't that good, and solo acts, and just nobody was sure what was going to happen to rock music. Meanwhile, we had Spin magazine, probably at its heyday back then, um, desperately hoping for anything, and then here come the Strokes. And then here come a bunch of bands around the same time being influenced by The Strokes. And then 9-11 happens. And there is this artistic boom that is at the real, the early, early stages of the the major internet, not just where the internet was in the 90s, but the early 2000s internet that led to the whole blog scene um, and all these bands. And there's like this five-year moment that's really cool. And, you know, The Strokes the first album was influential and is still an amazing album to throw in there and listen to. It just feels like an actual album. It's one of one of those rare ones that all the songs make sense. They make sense the year it came out and what was going on at the time, all that stuff. Uh, then all the bands, the influence. But I really like Oral Histories. I think you almost like turn your brain half off. They're just fun to read. It's like you know, it's just like a fun romp. There's a lot of stories. There's a lot of drugs. There's sex. There's feuding, and you get to find out about LCD, LCD Sound System and Kings of Leon, all that stuff. And um, you know, it's probably the last era we're gonna have with with rock bands with a real, for lack of a better uh, better word, revolution. Um, And I don't know if we're ever going to see it again, but I enjoyed it. It's, it's about 600 pages. It's not short, but, uh, I plowed through it and I really enjoyed it. So there you go. What's your book?
1: Does it have to be brand new?
0: No, by the way, I started that that book's old. That book came out like five years ago.
1: I'll check that out. Although after I read that punk rock one where it starts, Lou Reed and those dudes, like, Lou Reed is the biggest piece of shit ever. <laughs> like, he's just, every story would be, hey, here's another terrible Lou Reed story. And after right. I got done with that one, I was like, whoa. Um, that's, because I didn't know a ton about, like, the birth of punk rock. There's a void in my U.S. history when it comes to music. By the way, I love The Strokes. That first Strokes thing is perfect. It was a perfect time of my life, bartending, sick at Madden, you know, zero maturity nice little spot downtown when that came out it just made you feel good it was like yeah yeah like this is different and i go back to that one still all the time i made a comment about like looking like a dude who goes to a stroke show i had a few people reach out that were very upset that thought i was making fun of it. i have all the respect in the world for the strokes and if you can ever set up a meeting um i don't know i don't know if they'd be a fun hang now 20 years later that's always you know don't meet your heroes kids so i don't know <laughs> all right what's your buck? Capital in the 21st Century uh, by Thomas Piketty, the French economist, where he argues that the uh, rate of wealth distribution is headed to unhealthy levels. Some would argue we're already there. And he has some proposals, but essentially saying that the developed economic parts of the world are just far, and it's in French too. So enjoy.
0: Wow. It's in French? What are you talking about?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You really
0: look you, it's quarantine so you know dig in I, how did you read it when you were when it's in french i don't understand i took french for 6 years that was a flex <laughs> uh all right my uh, i'm going to pick a new movie it can get movie. slow i'm
1: not going to argue it can get slow at times
0: <laughs> new movie watch this on friday with my son who immediately declared this his new favorite movie replacing Good Boys, which had
1: a, a two really nice
0: <laughs> a two month run. <laughs> no, no. And that got replaced, too, because initially it was Good Boys, which had a two month run and then surprisingly got supplanted by mid 90s. The Jonah Hill movie, which my son has been watching for two months straight. He likes and that. Now is... That's oh, yeah. He's, That's a little well, he, old for him. He's he's messing around with the skateboarding thing. He's he, he's trying to figure out new ways to break a bone. So, um, so he, so went from good boys to mid nineties. And now this new movie, which we watched on Friday and he was delighted the entire time. I got to say, I really enjoyed it. It's on Hulu. It's called big time adolescence. It's with Pete Davidson. It came out like a year ago. Well, now you got me now I'm interested. And I, I don't know. It was a Sundance thing, I think in 2019 and it got bought. I don't know if it was released or not, but it is about. Pete Davidson plays this guy who was really cool in high school and adopt kind of ad- takes under his wing, this kid who's like nine or 10, who's the little brother of the, of the girl Pete Davidson is dating. And then that kid is now in high school. It fat it goes six years forward and he's now in high school and navigating the whole social scene. And Pete Davidson's character is still his big brother, but now he's like the 23 year old who's still kind of, hasn't, hasn't grown up yet, big time adolescent and is still high every day. And he's working at a fast food place and he's just a fuck up. Um, I was shocked that Pete Davidson is really good in this movie and I know he has a big Judd Apatow movie coming, uh, I think this fall about, uh, Pete Davidson and Staten Island, all this stuff. And, you know, I've only seen Pete on SNL, never really struck me as an actor. And he's really good in this movie. I thought the movie was really, really well-written. I like the characters. Um, Sidney Sweeney's in it, who's also in Euphoria. And there's a couple other good people. But it's just like a a stoner hang movie. And there hasn't been one in a while. It reminded me it had the same kind of vibe as uh, Outside Providence. Um, Just a bunch of fuck-ups. Nothing incredibly important happens, but it's just well done. I really like the characters. I liked hanging out with them and uh and my son loved pete davidson so i think he's watched it two more times during the quarantine weekend so there you go big time adolescence on hulu hey was slacker
1: like a stoner movie do you remember when that one came out 1990 because there was all those i I, yeah i never loved that one right because singles had come out reality bites was 94 i just there was this for those that don't know um You know, Douglas Copeland was like one of the first authors I really, really got into. And he wrote the book Generation X and Shampoo Planet was the first one that I loved. Microsurfs was awesome. And then I kept reading him and reading him. He was like the first guy that I just was like, ah, man, this guy's awesome. He's a Canadian guy. And he just was kind of observing things around him and, and turning them into great stories. But there was this, you know, early 90s, everything was Gen X. So it is kind of nice to have some of those stoner movies around because True Romance nails it with with brad pitt's character yeah which you know i think you could argue is one of tarantino's maybe the most well-written script that he's done i mean look i'm probably gonna consume it differently than just the layman the layperson but uh
0: (laughs) (laughs) you would like this movie i'm excited to get your reaction for it uh what's your new movie okay um it
1: just came out call the wild now if you don't know this one It is a movie about a man and a dog, but what you may not know is that it's Han Solo in Yukon, Alaska in 1890, and he's aged a bit, and his sidekick Chewbacca is now a dog named Buck. And Han Solo goes looking for Chewbacca, but it's hard to recognize him because now he's a dog, and they get into all sorts of mishaps and whatnots, and it's it's a good family thing.
0: Was this the one where they CGI'd the guy from Planet of the Apes? Yeah. And he's like the dog? That's the one. How did they do it with the CGI with the dog? Computers. But what but why did they need a human to play the dog? I <laughs> I I don't understand that part. Yeah, I think it's just mostly computers. But what did what does a human being add for a dog? Like facial reactions? Yeah, a little What's more it? personality. Okay, that sounds super weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's the. I got to say it wasn't on my radar so you're saying I would like it. Yeah, just don't like have an open mind. Okay. Um my old movie. So the the fourth one we're doing is it's a movie that had to have come out at least 20 years ago. I picked uh basically based on the circumstances we're in right now a movie that I think is one of the best um TV movies of all time. It's called "And the Band Played On. It is a movie about uh, Randy Schultz's book about how the HIV slash AIDS epidemic spread in the 80s and how it spread when it shouldn't have. And um, it's a TV movie that HBO made, I think, early 90s. And it was one of the first big TV movies they ever made. It's got a huge cast, a bunch of people, including uh, your old rival, Matthew Modine plays the hero in it, but Richard is in it. Yeah. Ian McKellen. Um, there's, there's literally 20 people in it. And, uh, it's basically about that stretch, probably the first three to four years, late seventies, early eighties, when, uh, when HIV is starting to really happen and a lot of people are in denial. The president won't acknowledge it. The CDC is trying to not only get bath shut down because they figure out pretty quickly what are some of the things causing it, but also the blood banks with the transfusions. And there's this 18-month stretch where they're just basically screaming out um, and it's going nowhere. And people aren't listening to them and everybody's thinking, we're fine, we're fine. These guys are crazy. And then you know what happens. But it's a really, really well-done movie. It's really informative and... um I would say timely considering everything that's going on right now. So that would be my pick. What about you?
1: Wow. That's, um, that is timely. I'm going to lighten it up with um, a movie that takes place in the ocean, Dead Calm, 1989. Oh, yeah. For whatever reason, Dead Calm has always been one of my favorite movies. Three people are in the entire movie. Nicole Kidman, Sam Neill, who you'll know immediately, and then Billy Zane. And I'm not going to tell you anything about the movie other than you'll enjoy it. And I've always made a joke with uh, some of my other writer buddies, but with everything being remade, would the worst TV pitch ever be dead calm the series?
0: (laughs) Just three people on a boat.
1: (laughs) Right. Like what happens in season three? They're still on the boat. Like, what do you, what? What do you mean? What happens in season three? Did you see the movie? Do I need to, do you think there'll be enough there for three seasons? Of course there will be. Um, I think it holds up. It's an 82 on Rotten Tomatoes, 1989. I don't know what it is about that movie. I, I love it. And whenever I meet somebody that, that hasn't seen it and I go, look, just, you know, it's not, it's not the Godfather, but you're going to like it. And they'll call back and be like, you know what? That was, that was really, that was cool. It was, it was intense movie.
0: Well, you left out, it was Nicole, Nicole Kidman's breakout movie.
1: You know that the, stuff better than I do. You're, you're it like to
0: put Nicole Kidman on the map because she was this super hot Australian. Nobody today. knew who she, I did, certainly didn't know who she was. Uh, you also left out a part that you didn't know. I saw that movie in the theater with Jack O. in Worcester, Massachusetts, 1989. Yeah, that's and, incredible. Uh, that's good stuff right and, there. And yeah, because you know. We went to the movies. It was one of the things you did in college because we didn't, you know, we didn't have half the things they have now. We barely had video games. Um, but yeah, we saw that in the theater, came out of it going, wow, Nicole Kidman. She has a chance to be something. And then she got hooked up in the cruise machine like a year later. I don't know. I don't remember when Days of Thunder was, but it was somewhere around then. And then I'll help, I'll help broke loose. So that's it. That's recommendation corner. Hope you enjoy that as uh, you're stuck in your house. We're going to take one more break, take a couple more uh, mailbag questions, then we're done. I want to talk about something that puts me in a good mood. Tecova's cowboy boots. I can't help but feel like I'm Tim Holt when I'm wearing these things. Just call me man with no name or maybe man with amazing shoes. Fun to break out. Although, I got to say, I've worn them a few times. I do not have the same look on my face that nephew Kyle has when he's wearing his, where he just looks like just more put together. Just, just more adult. Something about it. He's got a special swagger about him. Tacovas cowboy boots are handmade with high quality full grain leathers by world-class bootmakers built to be comfortable right out of the box for every occasion at home in the office, out in the town with tons of timeless styles. Tecova's are destined to be as fashionable 50 years from now as they are today. And they sell to you direct at an amazing price for this level of quality plus shipping, returns, exchanges, all free and easy. They make leather duffels, men's jeans, belts, billfolds, card cases, and more. Everything made with the same quality standards and everything they do. So do what I did. Do what Nephew Kyle did. Get yourself a pair of Dakovas Cowboy Boots today at Takova's.com slash B S. That is T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com slash B S. All right, we'll do this fast. Um Trevor had a good question. I like this one. Do you think? Whenever basketball, sports in general returns, it will be one of those unifying moments that we'll all collectively remember when we look back on this 10 years from now, similar to the 2001 World Series after 9-11. Thanks and stay safe from Trevor. I was thinking about this. You know, we get in this cycle with sport. The sports calendar is just so perfectly honed at this point, right? Where you have, you know, we're heading into this mid-March section where it's like, all right, I know the beats now. Now we're going to NFL free agency, basketball. We're going to have to start figuring out the playoff picture of the awards. March Madness is coming. Masters is around the corner. And you just... And then once that gets going, then it's like, all right, now we're in the NBA playoff stretch. And then Kentucky Derby's coming up. And we just kind of move from one thing to the next. And we take all of it for granted. We just assume... It's like meals on a table. It's like, all right, what is it tonight? You get disappointed. There were nights when... We're bitching because there's only three Tuesday night NBA games. It's like, what the fuck? Where are my games? There's only three? Or you think about like Sunday's NFL when there's like only two, two, four o'clock games when like Dallas versus Green Bay is the national game. And then they'll have like the Arizona versus Jacksonville game on some random channel. And then that's it. And you're like, oh man, only two games. I do think, I do think we got a little entitled with the sports calendar. And I do think when sports does come back, hopefully sooner than we've said on this pod, um, and life gets back to normal and we kind of work our way through this and sports are back in our life. I do think there's going to be a real healthy appreciation, um, not just for the games being back for, for having these people back in our lives, these athletes that we care about these teams we care about, um, and sports as like an escape because right now we don't have any escape. So I'm with Trevor. I, I do think there's, I think it's going to be weirdly emotional whenever we hit that point. What do you think?
1: 100% agree. Um, it will be, well, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know what it's going to be like, but we are going to appreciate it all. I mean, we always, you know, things can be so great in this country that, you know, it's just sort of weird. Like it, it's almost like bringing up kids, right? If you, if you're brought up a certain way, even if you try to shield your kids from money, um, there's going to be a certain level of entitlement. That's, almost impossible to prevent and you know despite the criticisms and things that we all probably wish are better even if we disagree about them um we have it pretty good here and to be facing whatever we're facing here and a kind of reminder of, of how good we have it when things are really good uh you know i don't know but i don't know like how long is this going to go how long is it going to happen so i do think when it comes back uh it'll be different than nine eleven because nine eleven was this stretch of like full-blown patriotism on 11 and believe it or not it actually kind of felt good to be like hey let's we're all kind of rallying around the same thing here because um, the people attacked us but this is different because the enemy isn't is identifiable and um depending on how long this goes I think it's going to be like oh man it's like this was awesome like we had all these games to watch and then it'll be like i'm trying to figure out <laughs> what what the grace period will be before, like, day five of basketball being back, and somebody going, "LeBron is not a one," you know?
0: Like, <laughs> or, yeah, I can't believe James Harden didn't donate to the arena workers.
1: Right, right, or like the, those kind of
0: those kind of things.
1: Yeah, you know, I was driving around Boston the day after they blew the Thunder game, and you know, if you listen to talk radio in Boston, you think Brad Stevens is the worst coach in the league. And so, you know, how long, <laughs> like if Brad Stevens is back and then they blow a close game, like six games back in August, will guys call in and be like, hey, you know, I know about this virus and whatever, but, you know, you're you really going to wonder about his questionable play call and in, uh, in a tight one. <laughs> so that'll be that's, that's what's going to happen. I mean, you'll, everybody will feel good. Everybody will feel It'll be like a big group hug. And then eventually we'll just sort of revert back to the way we were.
0: Ryan in Sacramento wants us to know, can you talk about how terrible it is that the Kings had one national TV game all year and they didn't even get to play it because it was canceled at the last minute. Feels like just the Kings the last 20 years, says Ryan in Sacramento. That's pretty tough. I didn't realize that was their only national TV game.
1: Because you're not supposed to... No, no, no one's supposed to know that except for a Sacramento fan. And I guarantee you most Sacramento fans didn't even know that. Um, What... I think more people needed to know about Sacramento. We were early on this. Is that they were only three and a half games out of that eighth spot? They yeah were eight games under five hundred, and we did this on the pod. I, I did I do it? I think I did it solo, where I was just kind of doing my tails from the couch thing, and I said, "Hey, by the way, do you realize like who's actually a lot better?" Because what happened was they were playing better since he had come off the bench. There's other factors that go into it too. Some nice Giles moments, but it was right after the athletic had come out with this thing, basically saying like the Kings are a mess. And, and here's the thing, like you can be a mess and still be good. You can be an awesome locker room and still suck. Okay. We, we only think that those things are exclusive sometimes and it's not the case, but it was this very like, oh, here go the Kings again. The front office is terrible and they passed on Doncic and all these things. And I'm looking up going, hey, you know, they're not 15 and 40. <laughs> like they're eight below 500, three and a half out of the eight spot still with Portland and New Orleans in front of them. Well, they're actually all three of them are three and a half back, but they had, um, they were one back in the loss column, or excuse me, they they were behind in the winning percentage. I'm, I'm rambling here a bit, but they're all right there. Those next three teams bottled up um, really four teams of the Spurs a half game behind them. So they're actually, they've been better this year than I think people realize, which I don't really blame anybody for overlooking the 10th seed or 11th seed right now.
0: Um, Billy Murphy wants us to know that Dr. Anthony Fauci, is that how you say his name? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. Uh, Holy Cross Crusader. No wants kidding. To know where he, wants to know where he ranks amongst uh, Clarence Thomas and Bob Cousy and also wants to know if Chris Matthews now drops out of the top five. Ooh. I'm too close to it. Yeah. I'm just I'm just excited to be a hundred spots higher than Dan Shaughnessy. Um, who else do we yeah, have on the cross? I think if I think if Dr. Anthony Fauci, first of all, the fact that I can't remember how to pronounce his name probably means he's not in the top five. Let's get but, IT on this. Let's get IT on this, as in the moment, real time. Um all right. I have one. I'm gonna read you, and Kyle might have to edit this out, but we're gonna keep your reaction.
1: John so I'm going to read you an email. I'm, I'm we'll just,
0: decide afterwards if we're editing the email, but I'm keeping your reaction.
1: I'm just looking up Holy Cross people right now. Neil Hopkins. Oh, guys. Joseph P. Kerwin, astronaut. Timothy Leary. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no wonder.
0: I mean, Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice, is pretty good. That is pretty good. Lewis. Apparently played basketball with Michael Chuck. Oh, no kidding. Ted Wells,
1: Tim Bishop. Anybody ring? I just. just does Kristen Higgins ring a bell? Khalif Raymond? Favreau.
0: John Favreau. Tata Rujo Yeah. All right. I'm going to read you this. We're only keeping a reaction. We might have to edit the email. Here we go. Kyle, get ready. Get ready to have to edit this. Hey, Bill.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, that's great. That's really good.
0: We probably can't run that one though, right?
1: I don't know what to do.
0: I mean, other people... Like, this is my Charles Barkley thing. All
1: right, never mind.
0: (laughs) I thought... I was really jealous of that one, though. Um, That was good. Oh, we have a gym corner for you. It's about gym speak. This is from Josh in Rogers, Arkansas. Rusilla, what's your favorite bit of gym speak? Things you only hear people say to each other at the gym. What are your go-tos? I don't even really understand what that means. Well,
1: there's a bunch of there's a bunch of things. Um, you know, one of the one of the all time go tos. If you're a decent sized guy and you know you like to work with a spot, although I started doing less of that later on as I started just forcing myself to get the bar off of my chest. But I, you know, it's perfect timing for me too because I thought this with the shutdown I maybe rehab some injuries, but I realized I just couldn't not do anything. But if you're benching, you ask for a spot, two seventy five, three fifteen on it. And if you if the guy says how many, you know you're better off just saying hey I'm just going to keep going. Don't worry about it. I'll let you know. Um, but guys are really bad with spots. But what you have to do is if you end up kind of sucking, like you only get three fifteen a couple times, um, you got to go. You got to do like a little bit of an arm rotation, like a Roddy Dangerfield, like ooh my arm, I think it's broken. You got to just do a little bit of like oh man, I've been battling some stuff. Yeah. And you're just going to shake your head, even if you're by yourself. Like if it doesn't go that great, just rack it and then kind of get up a little defeated. Like LeBron James would be great at this. Just kind of like dramatic, like, don't have it today, man. Usually I do way better. So that's that's a go to Um,
0: (laughs) uh, LeBron getting insulted somehow. (laughs)
1: No, but I mean, LeBron is a theatrical person and every moment that he's on the court, he knows he is on a theater and he, he plays it out that way. I mean, he's, he's an entertainer and he would be an amazing gym guy to be like, oh, you know, I don't really, or I'm like, I'm just doing quads today. Like I'm, I'm not going as deep or as heavy. Cause I'm just really trying to blast the teardrops. So you could do that on the squat rack if you don't want to go too heavy, just put your feet together and just be like, yeah, you know, I'm focusing on range more today. Uh, what else, what else, what else? Um, yeah, it's not my heavy day is a good one. If you're worried about people looking at you. Cause I mean, with me, I always have people looking at me. I catch people videotaping me and if I'm not crushing it and trust me, I'm not crushing it at all in anything right now. It's just, I already have all these, I'm actually telling you what I say to people pretty much every week. So there you go. Can you go back to the part where people are videotaping you? What, what Not all the time. I've had it happen a few times. Yeah. People just videotape me.
0: So. To do what? <laughs> what are they going to do with the video? Where does know, it go? Show, show what do they it to send their... to like one of their friends?
1: Yeah. Show it to their buddy. I don't know.
0: Is this, is this like a porn hub? Is there like a Rosillo search for you lifting? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's a, I doubt there's that. I just.
1: Like one time a guy, I saw a guy doing it and I was doing like triceps. I was like, are you serious, man? He's like, oh, no, no, I thought it was funny. I was like, all right, whatever. Just like when AOC was, was complaining about being a picture taken of her, which yeah. was amazing that a famous person was at dinner and somebody took a picture of her and she freaked out and tweeted about it. It was like, oh, wow, like, what, what did you think? How did you think it worked? Because that's what happens. Whatever.
0: Yeah, you can't, you can't have your own documentary about you and then be surprised when that happens. A lot of people have emailed wondering what's going to happen to you if nobody can go to gyms. And I know we talked about this earlier, but um, I just assumed it would be like in prison movies, like the, the Denzel movie about Hurricane the Boxer, where he's just doing pull-ups in the cell every day. And you just, where the, where the prisoners figure out how to stay in shape and work on different things, even though they're inside. I figure that's what's going to happen with you, right?
1: Yeah, I'll get, I'll figure something out. Um, I got some stuff I can, I can, uh, I'll probably throw the, 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 the gloves on. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll freak out my neighbors. I'll hang a bag from the middle of my garage and park my car on the street and just, you know, put in the work that way. And then there's a little, there's a little, like, I don't know. There's a thing on the strand over by Bruce's beach, Manhattan beach. Where it's like some poles and you can do those fake CrossFit pull ups that aren't really pull ups. And people are like, pull ups, I do 100. And you're like, you mean you swing forward 100 times? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Like, I'm, you know, honestly, man, it's just about the movement. I know everybody makes me have to be this meathead and all these different things. It's just, uh, you know, you got to get out of your own head sometimes. So I'm more worried about that part than having jacked arms.
0: I could see some sort of new look for you. Like when LeBron got skinny and strong that time. Couple years ago, remember that? When yeah, he, he he just completely changed what his look was for a year. I could see that with you. Just a new look, yeah. something different.
1: I don't know. I mean, no? I'm pretty uh, like a Fu Manchu. I'm, like I'm like 225 now. Like I come back, I'm 210. The thing is, everybody's going to say like, "Oh my god, you look great!" Like, no, I don't. I, I don't. I don't feel great. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know what? Honestly, though,
0: you know. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. I think we're wrapping up. You're going to do at least one podcast this week on your feed. We did have a lot of people ask for what our opinion was of where Brady was going, but it really seems like it's either the Patriots or the Bucks at this point. It seems to be all the intel as we taped this on a Sunday night because Tennessee has a QB. Um, Tampa is the only team that's overtly leaked stuff saying they really wanted him and that they're ready to spend money on him. And then I don't know. That's a pretty interesting decision for him because they have two awesome receivers, you know, and an offensive coach, offensive minded coach, I should say. And they want to put themselves on the map. They have a lot of empty seats, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I wouldn't be like shocked if he went to Tampa Bay, would you?
1: No, because I think this thing is is way worse than we realized. And, you know, for all the Boston fans, and like, this isn't about arguing with fans, because like, I get it, man. Like I would be the same way you are if I didn't work in this and didn't know anybody and just was like, look, I don't want you talking about my team. But for all the shit Seth Wickersham took for writing about was blatantly true that there was a divide here, that there were things that were happening. But like we said before, like you can have some cracks and still win. And so when you win, it's like, ah, fucking Wickersham. Whatever, you know, you suck, dude. Um, you know he was writing about this stuff, and i 've gotten to know seth he 's an incredible writer, and he was pointing out these problems and if if we 're led to believe and with the Patriots you don't know really what you can believe, but like think about some of the stuff that 's happened. Brady doing that Hulu ad is kind of messed up, but he did it because he wanted to mess with people and not mess with a fan base that loves him for twenty years, but mess with guys that clearly aren't treating him with the level of respect he feels that he deserves. And you can sit here and it's hard to argue against the Belichick tenure and the viciousness of his decisions. But you'd think if at least there was one guy that you would talk with, it doesn't even seem like that's happened. Like Field Yates, who used to work for the Patriots, Okay, that ESPN basically tells us that they made an offer in August of last year, Brady didn't like it, took the year, had the clause in there that they couldn't franchise him, that he'd be a straight up free agent for this offseason. And then Brady's like, where are we at? And they go, where's your counter? And he's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, the offer we made in 2019 in August. And it's like, you're really going to do that to Brady? And by the way, when the cap goes up, basically $10 every year, and you get like a 5% get-out-of-jail-free card, and you can move the numbers around as much as you want, like cap space is almost uh, always there if you want to make it happen. And the fact that they've gotten him at this massive discount for these years, which doesn't really make any sense, and... Let's face it, as he gets older, he needs a little bit more help, and they haven't wanted to do that with the weapons because Belichick's bad with receivers. He's just terrible at it. So it's hard to ever argue against Bill's thing, but I cannot emphasize this enough. If you are somebody who is great, but yet there's somebody that allowed you, like brought you in and and maybe was, was the origin of your greatness, the person that kind of found you and made you into who you are is always going to think of you from that entry point. And there comes a time for the next person, a guy like Brady who's like, "Look, thanks for everything, but Jesus Christ, man, like I'm awesome. Think about what I've just done." And they outgrow the way you think about them. And when it comes to athletes and and alphas and all of that stuff, this feels more and more like Brady leading up to going, "Yeah, I'm fine." Like are you, if you seriously are going to do this, like I'm going to bounce and it may be a temporary satisfaction, but it might be something that Tom's never felt before, but I still can't believe he'd want to start all over again somewhere else.
0: I think that was really well put. And I actually agree with all of it, except you left out one piece. check for 20 years has not paid for past performance. Yeah. And, and I think this does feel like a game of chicken now. Because I think Brady, he, he wanted to create the drama of this whole thing. I, I do feel like he's filming a documentary or something. He's capturing this in some way. I don't think it was a coincidence that last week he announced his new production company. Absolutely. Know, leading into this. Absolutely. Leading the week before, we're going to find out where he lands. And I do think he's enjoying this whole, I might go. Look at this. Now my suitcases are packed. Ah. My hands on the on the doorknob now, and I do think there's going to come a point where if Tampa, Tampa can kind of steal this now, if that's the team, where they could be like, "We got Mike Evans, we got Chris Godwin, um, decent coach, and you know, division's not too overwhelming, and we're going to overpay you. We're going to pay you seventy million for two years, all cash. We'll guarantee the entire contract. Here it is." And I just don't think Belichick's going to match that. That would, that would defy every single decision he's made over the last 20 years. He's always walked away one to three years earlier than he should have with a player, every time. And I, I think know, he was ready right. to do it with Brady. So, no,
1: well, he was with the Garoppolo thing. Like, that's the one time you go, did Kraft step in here? And I've been told, and I know you have too, right? Like, been told that, that Kraft kind of stepped in and was like, look, this, this Garoppolo transition isn't happening right now. And and trust me, Bill, Like I think you feel the same way on this one. This is not an anti-Belichick thing. It's really hard to go, hey, Bill, you know that, like your whole philosophy that you've executed a perfection here for two decades and done something that just isn't supposed to happen? I'd like you to not follow that. <laughs> like, right. Don't do don't the opposite. Do the thing that everybody else does that you've preached consistently on. But I just... I mean, unless he's in the film room going, Brady's more shot than we want to believe. But I, I don't understand the nickel and diming with him. But I also will admit, like any of us that assumes we know every piece of the inner workings of a Belichick, Brady and Patriots deal, like we'd be making a mistake there too. But, I, you know, Tom Kern is pretty good on this stuff. Seemed to tip, not tip his hand, but he was basically leading in the direction of like, hey, this guy's probably out of here. And you know I had Kern on the pod here with the Ringer not that long ago, and you know I don't know we'll see what happens. But uh, trying to read this from the outside is is probably a mistake. But I mean I just was saying all that stuff and laying it out there. Like you cannot underestimate ego and going. All right, maybe I'm going to do something that isn't great, but fuck this if these guys are going to mess with me.
0: I would say it's. I'm going to do that to 50 you. 50
1: is- a couple years.
0: <laughs> It'll hurt my feelings. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna beg, like, look, Ryan. I don't pay for past performance. <laughs> I do um, feel like I do feel like Belichick. <laughs> Belichick really, 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 really cares about his principles, you know. And why wouldn't he, this, right? <laughs> and until this year, Brady always. It always seemed like they could nudge and push him and get whatever they needed out of him to help them with the cap because they were always waving over him these Super Bowl ranks. Well, if you do this, it gives us a better chance to win and it'll be, get better for your legacy and do that whole thing. And, and it doesn't seem like that's working anymore. I think Brady's good now. I think he's good with his legacy. Now he's just like, you know what? This is about respect now for me and this documentary I'm filming. So it's all going to be hilarious when he goes back to the Patriots and be like, wow, that worked. He, he roped us in for two months. We've talked about it in eight different podcasts, but, I guess we'll find out. We're we'll in out next forty-eight hours.
1: I legitimately uh, believe he's bothered by all of this stuff, um, and rightfully so, because every other. <laughs> I mean, imagine if you played for the Cowboys, Jerry, give him a hundred million. Yeah, um, I agree. And for those that wondering where Dak's money is, Dak has already been offered a ton of million, and Dak is betting on himself. He's going to kind of reset the average annual salary, and I think he'll be able to get it now with a two hundred million dollars salary cap. Can I say this before we leave? Yeah, if you really have this time to yourself. Learn an instrument. Maybe even the trumpet. Your neighbors won't be upset about it. (laughs) Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, no, but you could, there's drum kits out there that you can, you can figure out how to play that are all soundproof. Now. Um, One of my favorite lines ever from the Sopranos is when Chris, Christopher Maltasani, when they're talking about like maybe getting out of the racket and he goes to Adrian, he's like, maybe now I can stop my fucking memoirs. Um, (laughs) Right. you have, if you're, if you're somebody who's always wanted to be creative in the face of this tragedy, you are be given, you're given like right now in just an unprecedented amount of time to explore that and figure that part out. And I would, I would urge you if you've been thinking about doing any of that kind of stuff to, uh, to try to, even though I know with families and everything, it's going to be tough, not all of you guys, but some of you out there, um, you know, try to, try to turn it into a positive if you can and stay healthy.
0: And stay safe. Uh, Rosillo, talk to you next week. We can hear in your podcast. I'll be back at least on Tuesday and with a couple of rewatchables as well. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks so much to ZipRecruiter. Thanks to Kyle Creighton who engineered and produced this podcast and we were not in the same place. It was kind of sad. We decided to do a little social distancing. It was weird to do a pod without Kyle in the room hearing his little giggle from time to time. But uh, these are the times we're living in right now. Stay safe out there, everybody. Seriously. And uh, we'll have some more podcasts on this feed and on the Rewatchables feed this week, not to mention the Ringer.com, Ringer Podcast Network, Rosillo's feed, everything else. Uh, Just listen to pods, watch TV, watch movies, eat some frozen pizza, relax, hang out. Let's try to get through all this. Talk to you soon.